Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. This is a more than just podcast production. Hey, everybody, welcome to episode six of the. No, this is not more than just code. <laughs> How do we start this one? It's like, welcome, oh, welcome to podcast. Yeah. yeah, okay, got it. Welcome to Spotcast Season 6, Episode 20. My name is Tim Mitra. I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And there's no Jonathan today, which means it'll be a really short show, eh? What do you think, Jaime? It's a, it's a <laughs> two-person show, uh, twice in a row. It's the original format. Yeah. We've gone back, to, gone back to the original format. Yeah, Jonathan's traveling for business today, so last week was my turn. This week is his turn. All righty. So, a um, couple of fact-check things to start off the show. Uh, Writer-creator of The Crowded House. I don't know if you've seen The Crowded House on, I think it's on Apple TV. Um, it's about a split personality dude. stars Tom Holland of Superman or Spider-Man fame. Um, what's interesting about this is, is, you know, we talked about the AI uh, introduction of um, the uh, Secret Invasion. Mm-hmm. I think that the, the, uh, the uh, opening scene or the opening title scene of... Uh, Crowded House also looks like it's very similar format. So I wonder if it's if it's also AI generated because uh, it's got that same sort of illustrator feel, right? Mm, okay. I couldn't find it, anything about it. Yeah, I can yeah. understand that, though. There's definitely a lot of stuff that I've seen online nowadays that certainly has that sort of sheen or yeah. shimmer to it that feels like, oh, yeah, that feels like what the AI stuff is creating nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. It's obviously got a tell, right? Um, anyway, so the, the reason I brought up The Crowded House is it's written by writer-creator Kiva Goldsman. He's actually in the last episode as a sort of a, like a, what do you call it, when the director uh, does a cameo, I guess. Uh, but he also created Strange New Worlds, which we never really talk about. Um, but he's also known for and wrote A Beautiful Mind, and he wrote many parts of Picard, and he also wrote Batman and Robin, which proves that nobody's perfect, right? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, just I just thought it was an interesting interesting connection between that person and this particular show, which we seem to be focusing on these days, right? And then fact check on the fact check last last time I left you guys a note saying that Jaime is on the right channel and Tim's on the left, which is weird because I 
think I always thought it was backwards in the in the, the mix in in Logic Pro. Um, and I did mention two weeks, two episodes ago that Jonathan is in the middle. He's in the center, and on more than just code, Mark is in the center. So, and you guys were talking about this V um, liquid thing that you weren't you weren't sure if it was called V or something else, but uh, surely V stands for void. What I was throwing oh, for void because yeah, the Gen V because like Vought, compound yeah. V is the the liquid that makes you super. Uh, so Vought, yeah, okay. Vought, Vought, whatever, yeah. Well, yeah. I, so, um, well, here's a fact check here. I think it might be spelled like John Voight's name, but I think they pronounce it in show as Vought. Oh, okay. But okay. I'd, I'd have to look because I honestly don't remember. Yeah. Now, didn't John, didn't John, is John Voight still with us? Did he recently pass away? Let's go quick Good question. on that. That's, uh, he played um, uh, Laura Croft's father in the first Laura Croft movie. And he was also in that uh, Mission Impossible, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, boy. Yeah, he's, uh, um, what's her name's father, right? Angelina Jolie. Angelina Jolie, yeah. He's he's actually her father, which is which is interesting that he played, you know, Laura Croft's uh, estranged father in that uh, series, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, he's still around, so I was wrong about that. And um, a friend of the show, Keen, uh, who works with me, um, hey, Keen. He uh, pointed out that I said Yoshi on on Star Trek Enterprise or on the show Enterprise, and it's actually Hoshi Sato. Um, and he said that Hoshi means star in Japanese. So we were, I was talking about the episode where they couldn't see Hoshi, right? Yeah, and wow, I I was there, and I completely whiffed on hearing. I I could have sworn that you said Hoshi. So um, I don't know. <laughs> I, I guess I've like my brain auto corrected it because I didn't even notice. Yeah. Well, as I've pointed out on this show many, many times, I tend to mispronounce things all the time. And sometimes I say left when I mean right, and sometimes I'll say 10,000 when I mean a million, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I often, often, I mean, I've been calling Han Solo Han Solo instead of Han Solo, right? And I notice I, I should point out to, to Keen that he says Java the same way that I say Java, as in JavaScript. And you guys, you guys say Java, right? <laughs> Which I always used to get trouble with with you guys on the show on <laughs> right. Just Code. All righty, so let's move on to the headlines. Uh, we can fight over this one. Um, so, well, I guess I, I'll talk about it because it's Canadian, and it's actually been on the news, actually, since Jonathan posted this story, but uh, Paramount Plus is uh, taking back all things Star Trek, and so uh, apparently Crave is our, I guess, our sort of equivalent of HBO Max. It's uh, been showing all of the Star Trek titles. I think it's like 800 various episodes of between all the TV shows and the movies. Uh, they're all being taken away off of um, the Canadian streaming service Crave and going to Paramount Plus, and that's happening fairly quickly. Uh, I think he's got September, yeah, September 9th, so it's almost like next, yeah, this week, no, next month, I guess, right? Um, but I, I did also hear on the news when they mentioned it today that um, they also dropped the fact that Paramount Plus and Peacock, no, not Peacock. Pluto TV are the same thing. Remember, I sort of, I was kind of wondering whether they were kind of connected because a lot of times I see ads for Paramount Plus on, on Pluto TV. Mm-hmm. So they are somehow connected. But that said, our Space Channel, CTV, Sci-Fi Channel, which used to be called Space, is going to continue to show on regular cable uh, the various shows, as far as I know. I mean, that's, you know, I, I was, you know, flipped on the TV today to make sure that in fact, um, Strange New Worlds was, was still playing just before we started recording the show, right? So, all right. Anyway, so that's that's the story about Crave. So, you know, it's unfortunate, but, you know, I guess if you haven't watched all the episodes of Star Trek that you want to watch, you better 
pitter patter get at her mind you i should say that the base channel or sorry sci-fi channel is still showing monday they show the original series tuesday they show uh the next generation thursday i think they show voyager and uh but i think so they, i think they do run uh all of the shows i'm not sure if they played deep space nine but um mm-hmm. what else is there on the regular regular syndicated stuff like you can catch lower decks there too. They they replay the lower decks as you know as filler because it's only half an hour long, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So the uh, the end of socialized sci-fi for for Star Trek, at least, right in Canada. <laughs> yeah, is... I mean we we call it socialized sci-fi, but we still pay. I still pay probably a hundred and twenty dollars Canadian a month for cable TV. So it's not like it's not like it's free, but. <laughs> It's not free trade, but it was included in stuff that you already had. So, yeah. you know, you didn't even choose, like, if you're not a Star Trek fan, you, like, didn't even choose to have access to it, but you did. Yeah. As opposed well, to... if I could find a streaming service that had the Smithsonian Channel on it, um, I, I could get, you know, Carol's almost ready to drop uh, cable here, because pretty much she watches a lot of, um, she watches that show uh, Time Team, but she's been watching it on YouTube lately. But yeah, she tends to like the science-y sort of shows, archaeology and that kind of stuff. And so that's, if I could find that in a streaming service, I could drop Roger's Cable, mm-hmm. you know. And it's funny because I have a 4K, 4K, uh, they call it Next Box, right? Which is the next gen, it's it's actually the previous generation of, of set-top box, I guess you call it. Um, and uh, it's got the ability to record, but I very, very rarely record any shows these days, like, you know. Um, like I think Bob Kiss was the last thing I recorded the Pete Davidson show, but, uh, yeah. And I, I do have it set to when these things come back to automatically, you know, it's, it's set to record them, but I've not really been using it at all. I've been spending all my time on Apple TV or Crave or, you know, Disney. So I think, I think the cable is pretty much dead. And, and actually I think we talked about, did we talk about stack TV a couple of weeks ago? Um, it's a property owned by Amazon. They show they row they show the regular uh, cable shows that you normally would see on. Like, mm. I think they have sixteen mm. channels or something that are traditional TV channels. So, are you missing any channels that you used to watch on cable or would have watched on cable? It's mostly the um, the sports stuff that has stuck. Oh, over. the sports, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't watch sports. I mean, to be, to be honest with you, I'll, I'll flip on the Canadian or the the NHL when I'm, you know, doing other things, but like, it's, it's, to me, it's Paw Patrol, right? It's just on in the background. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I, I really don't need, I don't really don't, I mean, occasionally I'll watch a sports event if it's on, but like a, like a F1 or something, but yeah, I don't, I don't watch baseball. I don't watch basketball, but I don't need sports TV personally. Yeah. So, you know, as we record here, both the writers and the actors are still on strike and, there's starting to be repercussions for release dates. So Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse, the sequel series in the Into the Spider-Verse series, is uh, indefinitely delayed. Um, so it had been previously planned for March 24th. Uh, sorry, March 2024. Uh, it's now doesn't have a date. And, you know, a lot of that stuff is going to start to shift. I think I'd heard that Ghostbusters, just like it mentions here in this article, has been moved, uh, Craven the Hunter, and a bunch of other things. So I think you'll start to see folks uh, at the studio start to delay some things that haven't been uh, fully baked, you know, if they need to do uh, re-edits, reshoots, and etc. And I think we'll start to see things 
get stretched out so that it's not as obvious that there's this big gap in schedules for things. Yeah, and, and on that same note, as, as a result of the strikes as well, the Emmys have been postponed um, as the WGA and SAG-AFTRA, the Writers Guild and SAG-AFTRA, are, uh, are on strike. Um, so that was announced that there's going to be no show. But it's interesting, you know, I, I, it's small, I mean, it's sort of a side note. I wasn't going to bring this up, but um, one, I went to my niece's um, baby shower on the weekend, right? And uh, one of her friends that she went to high school with, I didn't even realize this, is uh, she's a Canadian actress. Her name is uh, Alex um, Paxton Beasley. And she was, I don't know if you remember, I told you about a show called Cardinal that I watched I really liked. Anyway, mm-hmm. she, was, she was an actress in that, and she played a, a, a woman who gets shot, gets a bullet lodged in her brain and forgets who she is. And she's in, like, like Pivotal in season two. Um, didn't even put two and two together that this is the same person. Um, obviously I knew her when she was a, you know, high school kid and, or, you know, just, yeah, I hadn't seen her in 10 years or whatever, but she had mentioned that, um, the, the Canadian actresses, Canadian actors are going to attend TIFF, which is a Toronto international film festival coming up in September. But I had also heard, I think I mentioned last week or last time I was on the show that, um, I mean, the fact is that the Americans are not going to be coming and that. You know, other than, you know, international actors who are coming from, you know, Europe and that kind of stuff who will probably come over. But the, one of the big draws of the red carpet and, and the premieres of all the movies is uh, at these film festivals is the American actors, you know, being there to walk the red carpet mm-hmm. and do interviews and that kind of stuff. And that's not going to happen, right? So, But the Canadians will be there. So I didn't actually get a chance to follow up with her, but I just, I just overheard her saying that uh, where they were talking about um, the Canadian actors going to be going to TIFF. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At this point, anyway, but and Jonathan's pointed out here that the comic creators are joining the picket lines as well. This is a story in the Hollywood Reporter. So if you picked up anything from this one, uh, not not specifically. Um, like it's it's worth pointing out that they're also concerned about um, about AI for art and um, and and writing. So. Um, Although it's not something we've we've talked about specifically, you, you can imagine that if you're concerned about that happening for um, motion pictures, then you know comic book pictures would be something that would be a natural thing to suffer as well. So, well, even comic book art. I mean, like, like yeah, they're talking about here with this the, the Comic Con, and they've got a list of of um, writers and um, who you and I really can't oh, I can't talk about, but I mean, because I don't really know them for context, but. Um, there's also a threat to, you know, how are companies going to be making, um, you know, the comic book magazines, graphic novels and stuff, if, you know, AI becomes a way to do that, right? Uh, not not allowed to say here. It's not really my uh, my area, but um, I can definitely understand that those folks want to make sure that they're, you know, taken care of and paid appropriately for um, the work that they produce. Uh, certainly a lot of this show is talking about characters that um you know very iconic worth a ton of money um but not necessarily putting a lot of uh you know pocket change into the the creator's pockets mm-hmm. well um i think i've talked about uh, smart list the podcast with uh, sean hayes and jason bateman and um canadian actor i can't remember his name now will bill barnett um they do a show called uh, Smartless, and they had Steven Soderbergh on, and um, it'll come up later on in my in my pick. But um, he said, "What's what?" The thing about AI, he says AI hasn't experienced anything, right? 
he says it's an iterative tool. So it's not like, like his point is that it's basically just making derivative stuff and, and derivative derivative stuff doesn't really sell tickets, you know, like people, people can kind of see through that. Right. You know? Yeah. I think the, the bread and butter for AI will be giving you the, the 20th edition of insert franchise here, but not necessarily creating the next new thing that we're really excited about. Yeah, so super sad news. Um, nobody really knew this. It was kind of kept private, but apparently Paul Rubens, also known as P.B. Herman, and the spleen uh, it was has died at the age of 70. He had a, uh, a battle with cancer uh, and uh, apparently succumbed to that just recently. Um, interesting, like, I mean, he had an interesting career. I mean, you probably grew up on Pee Wee's Playhouse and the movie, right? Pee-wee's, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And, right in uh, the 80s. Yeah, I mean, I used to watch it with my kids, and so it was kind of interesting. And you know, like like people like uh, Lawrence Fishburne as as what was his name, Cowboy something or other, uh, Cowboy Curtis, Cowboy Curtis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the chairs that that hugged you and stuff like the cherry and <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It was really wacky. And and he had a there was a um, he did fall out of out of favor because it was you know one of these sort of scandaly things it wasn't as bad as some of the, the the later the ones we've had recently, but it was still enough to get him off of you know your children's uh, view, <laughs> as it were. Um, but I think I you know his his portrayal of the spleen in Mystery Men is probably I think is probably one of the best. You know I, I really love that that uh, portrayal there. Right? You've seen Mystery Men, Tommy? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Great movie. Yeah. So pour one out for Paul Rubens. Yeah, um, that Pee Wee's Playhouse was, was a was a trip. I always liked the uh, Conky Two Thousand robot that was made out of like like a boombox and other other assorted stuff. Did you watch it when you were a kid? Or yeah, um, you know it was it was there during the formative years of my life as, a, as an eighties right, kid. Right. So we have uh, a new. New trailer for season two of Loki, streaming October sixth, and um, I don't know if if this is going to be a trend, but clearly Kihi Kwan is like right in the Rolodex under multiverse as a as a thing because he's right here at the beginning of this trailer. So good for him to get a lot of uh, a lot of work. Um, what did you What did you think of this trailer? Oh, that was interesting. I, it's funny though when I see when I see things like like no offense to him, but when I see people like him being like toted, you know, trotted out, it's kind of like he's almost is he the flavor of the week, you know, kind of thing. Like, uh, you know, and no, I mean, I don't mean in disrespect disrespect to his, disrespect to him as an actor, but yeah, it's kind of interesting. But I, it was interesting. I, I interesting premise with Loki losing control over his you know his ability to to move around from one timeline to another. Um, and I think we saw the, who's the dude from Quantumania, the, the big bad, um, cause he shows uh, up Kang, there too. Yeah. Right? We see like, uh, old timey Kang, presumably. It yeah. looks like he's, I don't know, late 1800s, early 1900s. Yeah. And it ends with, it ends with his face on the, on the screen, I think, you know, as, as sort of maybe the, the big pivotal bad guy. Right. So, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, it looks interesting. I mean, and they brought back the, the, uh, the, uh, other the female version of loki as well right she's she's in there in the middle of the trailer as well yeah uh sylvie i think was her sylvie, yeah was her given name um as the the, the female loki oh, looks good um yeah uh, daniel glover and his brother doing a lando 
Lando series, Disney series. What did you read this one? Briefly, it just doesn't have um, a lot in it, and I have honestly no clue. Um, Stephen Glover doesn't ring a bell necessarily, um, mm-hmm. but uh, you know we've certainly seen family members do things, team up with Collins and Wachowskis and stuff. So um, you know maybe there's something to that. Uh, I don't know, back and forth repartee with somebody you. Uh, you grew up with so gives you somebody to uh sort of feed off of your energy but also kind of keep it real of like oh man that that's dumb <laughs> it's just like when you yeah. did blah 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 as a kid you know like they call you out on your stuff so um we've seen some of the atlanta series and i've enjoyed that we'll see what kind of energy gets brought into a, a lando series were they were they both involved in amazon or in um atlanta or just uh, Donald Glover. That was his show, right? Yeah, it was his show, so I know he was definitely, and I'm not sure what, um, having not seen most of Atlanta, um, I'm not really sure what uh, what role his brother played. Huh. Actually, what does it say here? It says, Justin Seaman has exited Disney Plus project, which has Donald Glover attached to reprise a role of so, and so from Solo, right? I'm not sure if that's the story. Jonathan would know, never bury the story, or, yeah. Bury the, the lead. Yeah, yeah it, it's one of those weird things where Star Wars stuff just tends to lose directors and writers. Yeah. So I'm kind of not surprised. Uh, I don't know. It's probably pretty, uh, pretty contentious, pretty political for that sort of property. Hmm. Hmm. Anyway, yeah, you can read the article yourself. There's some interesting comments in there by the man who I don't know, so I'm not going to go into it. All right. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, which came out uh, as of this recording just just yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, we've talked about the premise. It's a um, so it's a 3D animated feature with uh, kind of vaguely inspired by the Into the Spider Verse kind of style. You know, the animation is just a, just a little off, and it gives you that, that sort of flavor. Uh, different sort of style and this takes place uh seemingly in, in some of the earliest we've seen the you know the four turtles as uh, actual crime fighting uh squad so they're like not late teenagers they're more like barely teenagers and apparently this has been doing well enough uh leading up to the release uh, there's enough buzz that it's got a uh it's got a sequel and spin-off series planned so they're putting them all the uh, the Paramount's putting in all the poker chips on this one. So for those of us who don't know the actual turtles themselves, I know that I know they're named after famous Renaissance painters, but how do I know is Donatello the one with the red mask and Ah, uh, okay, okay. So uh the leader uh of the group with the katanas and the blue mask is Leonardo. Um the brother that fights with him a lot in terms of wanting to do his own thing and it just kind of you know goes to a different drummer in the red mask with the size is Raphael and then you have um, the you know smart scientist stereotype turtle is uh, Donatello with the bow and the purple mask and rounding things out is the uh, fun-loving California surfer dude one with the nunchucks and orange mask named Michelangelo. Yeah. 
Which is really interesting because that, that's completely opposite to the actual uh, artists themselves. Because Leonardo was sort of the, he was the sort of typical Renaissance man. He did everything, science and art and sculpture. Um, Michelangelo was a sculptor, right? Uh, Raphael was also, uh, Raphael? Donatello was, was definitely a sculptor, only a sculptor. And uh, Raphael was a painter. And Raphael was the younger of, of that sort of triad of artists in, in real history. But interesting. Interesting that they kind of like mixed up. I mean, they, they, the names are cool, I guess. They, they decided to go with that. But I wonder what the original author's intention was. Yeah. I, use the name. I know they've, uh, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird have talked a lot about some of the history and, and jokiness that went into the creation of the Turtles. I don't know if the... Uh, selection of the names and assignment of the names more specifically is part of the joke to to sort of get at the folks who have a bfa right yeah yeah <laughs> or have studied renaissance history yeah exactly. yeah yeah so it could be just a hey this one seems cool for this one versus like oh this is really going to anger the people who know the artists right <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't know if you remember when you and I did that talk. I had the, or I think I did a talk at 360 iDev on the connection between developing and art, like engineering applications and art. And I had the four artists. Um, I had the four, you know, Leonardo, Donatello, Michelangelo, and Raphael. And then I, in the next slide, it transitioned to them with with Ninja Turtle masks on. <laughs> oh, right, right. I've seen I've seen the slides. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um... I can't remember how I, I just, maybe I stole that from somebody else. I can't remember. But anyway, so disappointing news for me, um, Disenchantment, which I really enjoy, uh, is will come to an end uh, in se with season five coming out in September on the Netflix, uh, which is disappointing. But yeah, I, I, I really enjoy that show. It's a lot of fun, but uh, I, it's kind of, I don't know if they really can go any further with it, to be honest with you. But um, yeah, I guess uh, hopefully they're going to wrap up some of the stories, uh, some of the storylines, right? Yeah, I think. Um, I think it kind of makes sense for it to end here in this fifth season, just because it's seemingly had a pretty strong arc. It's not a it's not a forever show like uh, like a Simpsons, um, even though it does seem to have a lot of episodic sort of elements. There actually are little you know breadcrumbs sprinkled through each episode, and then you know towards the end of a season is where it really picks up. It's like oh, here's the big bad. Here's how they're going to try to resolve things, and then normally leave you with a cliffhanger i'd expect this to get wrapped up in this season with maybe a little teaser in case they want to come back for uh, a sequel or spinoff or something right yep um cool and i just posted this yesterday um and i put like like it's got this this uh you know the title says star wars merchandise seemingly leaks be beloved characters return in ahsoka but i'm like is this really a leak or is this just, as we like to say on the other show clickbaity because did we not know that of course Anakin's going to come back of course Hera's going to come back I mean they're in the trailer right so apparently Amazon leaked some toys uh, a couple of days ago and that's how they, they the universe has found out you know about, about these characters coming out but did, did we not think that Anakin would come back in in, Ahsoka, in the Ahsoka show because it wasn't Anakin and well he was her she was his apprentice right yeah, I was a little confused by the way this was constructed because it says uh, characters with an apostrophe S, singular character, apostrophe S. Yeah. Yeah. So looking at the uh, 
you know, Ahsoka. It's like, well, I mean, her name is in the title, so I don't think they mean her. Uh, I mean, she's the beloved character, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's like Sabine Wren. I'm like, all right, I mean, she was clearly in the first trailer. Yeah. Um, Anakin Skywalker is probably the closest, because I don't think we've explicitly seen him in the trailer, but, you know, given uh, yeah. in Christensen's return to uh, to the character in the Obi Wan excuse me in the Obi Wan Kenobi series, yeah, it's probably a pretty good one. And I will admit that uh, probably a mere twelve months ago, I would have just like chuckled at the Mon Mothma coming back. But actually, since Andor, I'm like, whoa, this character is way more interesting. Like, give me more Mon Mothma uh, on this. So, um, yeah, uh, beloved character's return. I'm guessing is is uh, Anakin and. Um, it, it makes sense, if nothing else, at least as a flashback, right? Thinking about her, her time with, uh, with her master. Yeah, it's interesting too. Like, like that Mon Moth, the ac- the actress who plays Mon Mothma in Rebels, and I think in in um, I'm sure Jonathan will throw something at the phone, but um, is the same person who plays Mon Mothma in in en- in Andor, Endor, Endor, Endor. Yeah. So mm-hmm. not Endor, Andor. <laughs> Yeah, it's an A for the character's name. It's an E for the uh, yeah for the planet. Yeah, yeah. the moon on Endor. The, for, the, moon for the forest moon of Endor. Yeah, it's not actually Endor. Yeah, yeah, the forest moon. All right. Well, I guess we'll move on to our main reason to be why we're here, and that is to talk about Star Trek. And uh, this was the long-awaited. What, what are they calling it? Uh, uh, was it called actually Space Rhapsody? Was it called? Uh, yes, it was called uh, Subspace Rhapsody. Subspace Rhapsody, yeah. yeah. And I guess that's because it 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 because it, become, it goes viral <laughs> in a sense too. It's funny, you know, like like um, I, I there are a lot of musicals that I like. I mean, I like you know some like at Hot. I like um, you know I've seen Spam a lot. Uh, I've seen my share of musicals, but generally speaking, I don't like modern musicals. And I found this episode to be really trying, you know. Um, I did, you know, once once you get the sort of e-worm, I mean, even Uhura says at the end of it, there's like kind of an e-worm that, that builds up. But actually, and it, it, um, so I don't really have a pitch for this because I really had a hard time. Like, I felt like Spock in this episode, you know, like not wanting to break into song, but feeling forced to break into song at some point, you know, <laughs> kind of <laughs> thing. It was really well. I mean, I gotta, I gotta say I was really impressed with the performances. Each, each uh, person who sang, I mean... Um, uh, Una, um, what's her real name now? Um, like Christina Chong, I, I do have a note here that, that she actually just came out with, uh, I think an album, uh, but I found, I found a link to a song called Can't Show Love. Uh, she's been, I follow her on Twitter and she's been, or yeah, let's call it Twitter for today. <laughs> um, we're going to call it Twitter for now on. Let's make a moratorium right now. I don't care what letter of the alphabet you want to call it. We're calling it Twitter on this show. Um, anyway, she, I follow her on Twitter, uh, actually Spotcast follows her on Twitter and, um, she's been t- uh, pointing out, she, she just came out with like her debut album kind of thing, um, like about a month ago. So it's kind of interesting that she did really well in the singing. Um, why am I drawing a blank on Una's name? Do you mean Tell the me actress's out. name? Uh, yeah. Re- Rebecca Romaine? Rebecca Romaine. Yeah. She did. And each one, like Christina, um, Nurse Chapel sang differently. Um, Ohuras obviously sings differently, uh, but but they each sort of they fit together like uh, like they have a musical dialogue sort of thing. Like I found Una sung a lot, almost like a Julie Andrews, um, Anne Hathaway kind of voice. You know, um, I, I the hardest one I had was was uh, Anson Mount's voice. He was very sort of 
he didn't sing as much, right? But mm-hmm. but his I think he has a baritone voice, right? And um and Spock actually the actor who, who sings Spock's part was was really good. Very sort of like what you would expect from you know, actors who or, who have done stage work on Broadway or whatever, what have you, right? So, because I mean, yeah. most actors who study go through that as part of their process, right? What did you think about this this episode? I think it was I think it was fun. You know, you've got the the basic premise of uh, for my elevator pitch. I said the one with singing, and it's set up <laughs> by like you know weird space yeah. anomaly does weird space anomaly thing sometimes it's you know sometimes it sends a crew back to like you know the paramount western stage lot and sometimes it's you know turns it into a musical so uh, definitely fit with the the sort of fun campiness that you would get out of original series era star trek um but still had some some danger to it of like the repercussions if this thing goes awry and the the sort of countdown for the Klingons showing up because they're also experiencing the same problem. They're also really angry about it. Right. So have you, have you ever seen the Rocky Horror Picture Show? Yes. Yeah. So I, I actually just, ironically, I just watched it. I just finished watching it yesterday. I started watching it on, on Disney when it came, when it came to Disney. I watched half of it and I just finished watching it yesterday. Um, I've seen that particular movie a thousand times. I remember when it came out, I wanted to go see it. And I saw it in the theaters before it became the event, you know, where you'd throw the toast at the screen and spill the wine and all that kind of stuff and, and yell out. It was it was just at the very beginnings of those back in like 77, I guess. Mm-hmm. It came out in 75. But the one pinnacle part of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and I found that, that the solution to today's show was, was almost identical in parallel, was it's time for the floor show, right? Which was like the sort of, the story goes to a certain point and then they just, you know, they, they go over the top, they have the RKO, you know, symbol come out and they and they you know they do the big number right and that was the solution to this particular you know subspace anomaly that's infecting all of you know the, f- the entire starfleet starfleet fleet and the klingons right so there was some really really interesting stuff um uh so that that would be my pitch it's time for the floor show right <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, it was interesting because it was a lot of lot of little. I mean, if you look at what they said, I mean, it was hard to sort of get quotes out of this one. Other than I did get a few, but I think because most of it was just them um, doing musical dialogue. It's interesting how everything has to rhyme. You know, every sentence or every second sentence has to rhyme to sort of keep the cadence going in that particular style. Mm -hmm. So it was hard to pull out stuff, but um, I did pick out. I think some of them were like almost like the lines that repeat in the show. So in terms of what they said. This is a private conversation was the one that that Pike and uh, his girlfriend um, Patel um, say to each other. And uh, luckily, um, the security chief, you know, closes the calm before he loses, he exposes himself in front of the whole crew. Uh, one thing that, that Una said was that she talked about, uh, um, I forgot which which uh, captain she said had just reached out to him with a surprisingly beautiful baritone. <laughs> You know, but he let me know with a surprisingly beautiful baritone is what she says. Yeah. And the other one, the one I laughed at was, was as soon as I saw the Klingons on the map, I'm thinking, I was thinking the same thing. And then Una says, the last thing anyone needs is singing Klingons. They ended up in, uh, I don't know, like a Backstreet Boys BTS yeah. sort of one. And I thought, uh, I thought for sure it was going to be like Klingon opera is where I thought they were going to Oh, that would have been it. made more sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, um you know, it still worked as a as a funny moment, but that was one where I, I think they took a different turn than I'd expected. 
I love the fact that they were all dancing in unison behind the the captain, right, on the Klingon ship. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he did that sort of rappy. He had he sort of kicked into a higher, you know, more tenor voice, more, um, and doing the rapper, rapper, rapper kind of thing, right? Do yeah. you have any other any quotes you pulled out? Uh, the one that they repeated uh, early when they were first figuring out was uh, apologies, the most confounding thing we appear to be singing, which I'm not able to sing in the correct sort of tone, but that was something that was happening when they were like confused as to what was going on. I was going to say, should we be singing in this episode? I wasn't sure if you want to go there or not. <laughs> um, well, it's interesting because I watched the, the out, the trailer, the, after the, the, um, the show was over. They, of course, they played the uh, one of the Easter eggs we got to talk about is the Alexander Courage theme. They played the entire thing at the end as sort of like the final, you know, denouement musical moment. Um, but in the title, the outro titles, they sort of like you know in, in musicals. If you go see a musical, they they often have like an overture where they play the themes of this of the that are going to that are going to be sung during the show. Um, and they, so they did that at the end. And, uh, so I, I had the caption, closed captioning on. So they played a little bit of the, one of the songs is called I'm ready. Uh, the second one is a private conversation, which is the Pike and, and Patel one. And then connect your truth is the one that Una and Kirk sing right in the hallway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I thought she was saying connect to your troops or connect to your, your, and she had, a, she said something different, but apparently the song is called connect to your truth. That was kind of cool. Did you have any other musical bits? Um, You sort of already hit this one, but I did write as one of the Easter egg ones that uh, law and actress Christina Chong is actually a singer in real life. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And once again, the, uh, the skip intro button is something I would avoid. It's irresponsible of Paramount Plus to not delay this because you have the acapella chorus version of the Strange New Worlds opening. Oh, I didn't. I skipped it. I should yeah. listen to it. Oh, um, it's, it's fun. Just like, you know, I accidentally skipped the Lower Decks flavor one and had to go back oh, like really? a filthy animal. Um, this time I was ready. I was like, let me see if they're going to do anything weird. And sure enough, it's an acapella chorus version of the intro. Uh, same imagery of everything of like normal is just uh, acapella. So it's not it's not animated like the uh, this Lower Decks one. <laughs> I have to go back and watch it now. Yeah. So, so it was the same theme, but... but, but um... Oh, was he singing or was it just uh it's like having a you know a musical group uh you know it, like a broadway musical singing ba, 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 oh really it wasn't it wasn't the instrumentation oh i got gotcha. you no, no. so that's why it, you know i might be using the term wrong in my um uh, non musician no, you, you got it right acapella, acapella chorus yeah you know. acapella with there's no musical accompaniment yeah yeah there was like the there was a band called the nylons i don't know if you ever heard them but there was a bunch of um uh, acts in the 80s and 90s where they just they did they sung instead of playing instruments right well and then for easter eggs i've got a couple i had my favorite one is the heisenberg compensator it's one of my favorite all-time um star trek technologies um yeah do you know you know the purpose of the heisenberg compensator i know it's the deal with the uncertainty principle is it with transporters yeah okay yeah in order like the thing about it is is in order to and this goes back to the original series. And actually, I think I think they probably talked more about it in Next Generation. But in order to know where every atom and electron that makes up Jaime Lopez Jr. is, they need to be able to measure each, the position of each one, break you down into your parts, beam you over to a new location, and then reassemble you in exactly the same format that they just read you, right? 
But Heisenberg, uh, he had this thing that saying just by putting an instrument in position to measure the electrons orbiting the neutrons and protons would influence them, and therefore you could never really know the full position of an electron as it orbited an atom, right? Um, or an element or co- uh, compound. And so the scientists at in Star Trek, or in Star Trek, they wrote in the Heisenberg compensators as a technology that would correct for the fact that they were influencing the, the electrons by measuring them. Right. And it's also kind of an Easter egg, too, because we you, you guys talked about Oppenheimer last week, right? Um, Heisenberg was famously on Team Nazi. <laughs> in the in the Americans versus the or the you know the non uh, Aryan race scientists who built the the bomb on the Allied side right versus the ones who worked for Hitler right I'm not going to spoil it before I think did Heim, did Jonathan spoil it last week I can't remember did he he didn't tell you anything about the reason why one of the things that Oppenheimer says is why the the Nazis will never beat the Americans no I don't think he uh, I don't think he talked about that okay I'm not going to spoil it for you but. <laughs> Um, all right, and then the other, the other one, the other Easter egg, obviously, was was that Kirk is dating Carol, and mm-hmm. she's pregnant. Yeah, Carol Marcus. Yeah, with David, David, uh, David Marcus, who becomes his son and ultimately rescues Spock, resurrects Spock. But um, yeah, with the Genesis device, right? But I think in in because Kirk doesn't know that in in the movies. You know, the William Shatner Kirk doesn't know that she's pregnant or that she had a son because he he discovers that in in the um, is it Roth of Khan? I guess it's Roth of Khan, right? I was a little uh, wondering about that too. Where I know that Doctor Marcus she had said to Kirk that like it was better to raise the boy alone away from the father that you know is zipping around space all the time isn't really providing a. A stable um, father figure, but I could not remember whether it was actually a surprise to Kirk that he existed. Like, yeah, no, like this was, one seems to present the idea that, like, oh, I'm aware, but like, we're just going to be separate because I, I got to do my space thing. I'm, I'm going to be a deadbeat. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, no, because I mean, because that's the thing is, like, like uh, he knew he did, he dated Carol Marcus, right? Um, but. Because uh, I remember he says to, to McCoy, "I have a son. He's my son," you know, kind of thing. But just kind of, you know, it, it, I, that's a line that's always bothered me from from the Wrath of Khan. Is like, if you had a son and you didn't know that you had a son for like twenty years, right? Would you have this overwhelming sense of emotion and attachment to this person who, for all intents and purposes, other than doting a little bit of protein, you really don't know that person, right? Having not been in that situation, I'm inclined to think that it would be like meeting a stranger and more of a uh, and a, a trivia oddity kind of thing than it would be a um, an emotional thing. Although that's under normal circumstances, right? I think in the Kirk character arc, he was um, encountering feelings of you know age and legacy and, and right, other things right. that I think. This plays into the uh, honestly very similar things that uh, Picard runs into, uh, certainly in the Star Trek Picard season three, but I think more uh, 
sorry, I should say earlier in Star Trek Generations in the Nexus, where Picard doesn't have a family, but in the Nexus fantasy, he has. Oh, he does, you know, yeah. Oh, Papa, you know, just normal Victorian Christmas kind of thing going on. So um, I, I think that was being played with a bit. So I can. I think I can give it a pass, but I think in, in normal circumstances, if you weren't, you know, thinking about uh, what you leave behind, then you probably are like, oh, whoa, have a son. Okay. Well, good thing we're in a, you know, in a utopian society where I don't have to pay child support. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and uh, the other, the other thing I noticed too, was near the end of the episode, uh, Ohura actually pulls out a, an old school tricorder, which I don't think we've really seen very often. I mean, Every time they went on an away mission in the original series, they would pull out the tricorder, right? Um, but yeah, this is the first time we've actually seen one. And she held up the little sort of the cigarette lighter from the car that, you know, that, that they used mm-hmm. to read whatever that is, you know, that Dr. McCoy used to use. Um, she had one of those in her hand, too. So I don't know what that thing's called, but... Yeah. Or yeah. more fact check, right? <laughs> yeah. What... Um... Oh, what what did you have for your your pew pew pew? Because I had the big finale for mine, including, I guess you know, the sort of explosion stuff that happens and the uh, pirouetting Enterprise and and Klingon cruisers. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't. I didn't. I mean, it really didn't have a pew pew or a pew pew pew. I was sort of pick a non you know non violent pew 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 when I do one, right? Mm-hmm. Like usually usually it's two people going toe to toe or head to head, right? But um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I had one this one. You're right, but that, that sort of explosion at the end, I guess, that was the with the little fireflies all over the place, right? The, yeah. Once the anomaly gets blown up. Mm-hmm. And did you have big questions? Oh, I mean, just talked about Kirk one. <laughs> um, <laughs> right, right. How about you? Do you have a big question? I had mine in that uh, Will Pike tell his lover, Captain Patel, that this can't go on forever? Like, at what point does it become a like, hey, um, you may not want to invest in, in Team Pike here for too long. You're trying to make it more serious, but like, let me tell you, I might not be around for so long, you know? Like, he doesn't know how he will ultimately end up, but he knows that he's going to have uh, uh, the, the part he knows so far is like, yeah, I don't think she's going to want to go through that, you know? Yeah, and maybe I'm reading it wrong, but I always thought that Una and... and um... La'an had a vibe last year, like in the first season, right? Yeah, I think they did play a, a bit of that. So I kind of, I kind of, you know, seeing Christina Chong and, and, you know, get all sort of, it was funny, sort of the high school kind of, um, you know, she walks the wrong way off the transporter pad and that kind of stuff. I mean, um, that was fun the way they did that. But yeah, I don't know. I just, I just thought they had that sort of, you know, hey, you know, I guess the, the, the alignment of couples isn't, you know, as, as hard, hardly defined as it, as it say was in the seventies and eighties. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's funny, like I, I kind of, you know, I, they play with the feels with, with Christina and uh, nurse chapel and, um, and uh, Spock. Right. Um, and it kind of, it's kind of getting to the point where I think maybe that's where they're setting up the, cause I, I talked about the prequel problem before, because, if you watch the original series, Nurse Chapel always looks longingly at Spock, who's completely oblivious to her, right? Um, you know, and it's obvious to McCoy that Christina Chapel is, you know, interested in Spock, even though Spock has, you know, no outward emotion towards her. Mm-hmm. And the scene where um, Chapel is, you know, is kind of celebrating with 
with Ortega and, and the other people about go, having got this assignment and the way that Spock walks away from her at the end. You know, you get you get Christina Chapel looking at Spock the way that the original series Christina would look or would have looked at him, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's kind of a that's always sort of a big question for me is is this their relationship like isn't he engaged to somebody now and you know yeah they got to get the pieces in place for him to you know have the engagement stuff where a muck time is going to happen you're going to have to have yeah ponfar and all that stuff yeah i think with spock's character i can see how they can write themselves into where they need them to be so spock is this season intentionally being more emotional and, and experimenting with emotions. And I could see him deciding that this experience with Nurse Chapel, he's going to dedicate himself to logic much more strongly, which would give him a, you know, a nice excuse to cut her off and, and be where he ends up being. And if they even want to hint, he may even say, you know, Captain, I've decided to, to go all in on logic. And uh, I may even eventually take the, the colonar, um, to, to purge myself of that, uh, to sort of hint at where he ends up in Star Trek, the motion picture, right? With the Colinar um, ceremony. I forget what it's called. Process. Protocol. I don't know. <laughs> the Colinar. It's just called the Colinar. Yeah. So no. Right. Right. Yeah. Cool. So all around it. Interesting episode. I wonder, I wonder, like I was saying at the top of the show that, that sometimes these kind of efforts to, I mean, like, have you ever watched a Drew Carey show? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, do you remember the, they, there was one episode where they broke it, or they used to have a sing song at the very beginning, or they had one, at least one episode where they broke into song, right? Um, yeah. That reminded me of this today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
Facebook guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. I'm a little unclear on where things are with episodes, so I suspect that on this show we have not collectively talked about Strange New World Season 2, Episode 8, Under the Cloak of War. Oh, yeah. Because with the weird release schedule of what, you know, Paramount Plus did at least, um, we got the surprise episode with Strange New Worlds in Lower Decks. Jonathan yeah. and I went uh, two-man team on that one. You and I are going two-man team on the episode that came out today, the other weird episode of the Rhapsody I think under the covers, what happened in between was uh, season two, episode eight. Do we want to quickly go through that one as the sort of left behind episode? Yeah, it was an interesting uh, episode. Um, uh, I think it was trying to trying to do the reveal of of the history between uh, Nurse Chapel and um, and Benga and and where they where they get their their um, what was the name of the V V liquid stuff. Um, Formula V or whatever, <laughs> the uh, compound V. Yeah, yeah. Compound Except there's v, yeah. there's is uh, the the competitive brand. It's green, right? The green juice. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was interesting. It was it kind of dark for this this show. I mean, um, I mean they've done they did that last year with the uh, with the um, what were the things that attacked uh, um, the Gorn probably is what uh, you're the Gorn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Under the cloak of war. Yeah. Just trying to remember what the. Um, Easter eggy bits were on that one. Well, for Strange New World Season 2, Episode 8, Under the Cloak of War, what I wrote for the elevator pitch leading there was uh, uh, more of a like a like a B-movie title of Race War, Injustice as a subtitle. Because um, it's, you know, showing the sort of, you know, depths of the uh, Federation Klingon War that we saw covered in, in Discovery. Uh, so from my best pew pew pew, they had the Terminator Two ish background going on. You know, like got like the medical tents. Yes. But the, you know, you could have you know photoshopped in like John Connor from the future sort of thing, and it would fit that sort of uh, very dark, moody, uh, guns ablazing kind of thing going on. Yeah, and it's and it's an origin story for the for the uh, Christina Chapel gets sent down to be uh, a nurse in this in this sort of mash tent kind of thing, right? This you know triage the the uh, the instead of the helicopters they get transported in, right? Um, and she lands there and she says, "Where's the head nurse?" And they go, "Congratulations, you're the head nurse now." Um, yeah, and then. For the, the ultimate Easter egg, the person who tells her that is is in fact Clint Howard, right? That was um, my Easter egg as well. Yeah, yeah. How many times can he be in in a Star Trek series? Because uh, he goes way back, way further than anyone would think. Yeah, he's. Uh, I think I think I've talked about him before because I think he was in one of the first episodes of the of the series. Right. Let me pull that up here on the on the device. Yeah, because he plays the little the little alien in in. Um, Corb, not is it Corbright maneuver? Um, Tholian web, I think it's called Tholian web. Yeah, he plays he plays the little um, alien that has the the drink with um, the captains or Captain Spock and McCoy at the end of it, right? Yeah, it was yeah, Corbett yeah, maneuver, right? maneuver is what I think it was probably. Yeah, Corbett, and he plays the little little he plays Balok, and he was like six or something, right? 
definitely played that role. Yeah, that was the 10th episode of the first season. Back in, when was that? So, how many years ago was that? This is um, 1966. Hmm. Hmm. Almost 40 years, or 50 years, right? It would, be, it would be more because... Oh, wait. Uh, yeah, no, it would be, it would be more because if you went, you know, 70... 57 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, if you went from, from 70 to, to 20, you would have hit your 50 right there. So then yeah. add three, add the uh, the four, going the other directions. Yeah, he was... Uh, yeah, because, I mean, um, obviously Ron Howard played Opie on um, the Andy Griffith show, right? Um Clint Howard played the son on Gentle Ben. Have you ever, have you ever heard of Gentle Ben before? <laughs> I know. Uh, Opie on, on the Andy Griffith show, sure, but not, not, uh, not Gentle Ben. Yeah, he, um, yeah, he was the son, like the, I think his dad was like a, a policeman or something like that, and, um, or a game warden or something, and it was in Florida, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, actually, I better, I better call that one up, eh? Yeah, it's not, he's not even, not even in the, in the, the known for. Yeah, I, I remember watching him in back in the '60s on Gentle. It was a, they had a bear, and the bear was named Ben, right? And of course, the bear didn't eat the, Gentle Ben. 1967, 1969. Oh, so I guess he was in Star Trek before that. Dennis Weaver was his father. <laughs> I don't know if you remember Dennis Weaver. He played um, oh, um, McLeod. I don't know if you ever heard of McLeod? No, no, draw a blank. No. Yeah, draw a blank for me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and his dad, uh, Rance Howard, was uh, was in the show too. Interesting. I guess that's how you you corral your son, your six year old son, right? <laughs> um, yeah. What else? So, did you have any big pew pew? Well, obviously pew pew was 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 nothing but pew pew in this one, right? So yeah, the the Terminator Two stuff was my pew pew pew. I guess you could choose the um, you know who really was the butcher of uh, Jagal. Yes. Right. Yeah. That was an interesting twisty turn thing, right? Yeah. Having the the um, the um, the Klingon ambassador, the diplomat, you know, painting himself as like, all right, people think I'm, you know, this this butcher, and and I think it was clear that he was, right? Like he didn't kill his own men. He, that that extra part of the story is not true. It was Mbenga who, who did that under the the green juice stuff, trying to mm-hmm. assassinate mm-hmm. the uh, the then general. But it kind yeah. of interesting how the ambassador took that as like, well, I'm gonna hide behind that story to make it seem like look even i can reform even the even the butcher of the gall can can change his tune and, and go towards peace yeah and this is also this is a throwback to plot line from from that point of view because um the uh the conscience of the king was an episode from the original series where there's an actor who um i think kirk somebody recognizes him as this this mass murderer guy um who um is hiding um behind um like he's playing a, like a Shakespearean actor right and he's traveling he's in a like traveling show and uh he apparently was like this this mass murderer dude uh Karadin. yeah so cuz i mean cuz that that's the, the the thing about it is like and there's this mysterious scene i, I was reading an article about how they they filmed three different ways or the, i think the director was talking about this they filmed three different ways. Like you could see the f- knife fight at the end, or mm-hmm. you could see the knife fight through the frosted glass, which is the one they went with where it's, it's, you don't really know how he ends up dying, but 
it's interesting that they, they examine the knife at the end, but they don't know that the knife was actually in Mbenga's possession the whole time, right? Yeah, he, he knife. premeditated, opened up, and brought the knife with him. Right, and it, but it had it had the DNA of the um, the dead Klingon officers, which they thought that the bad dude, I've forgotten his name now, they thought he had killed the, his own men, but it turned mm-hmm. out it wasn't him. He ran away from Mbenga, right? I don't know if it was really clear in the in the show or not. Right. When Mbega went after him, he ran away. Uh, and that's why Mbega is so mad at him. <laughs> you know? Uh, that's one of the reasons why. But, uh, yeah, because he was actually the butcher of whatever you called it. I think it's Jigal. I think it's how Jigal, they pronounce yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting episode. You know, kind of like like a bit a little bit like MASH, where, you know, like Christina lands and has to do this, like, triage stuff. And... I mean, the bit about putting putting the... Actually, maybe that's where he learned the, the trick about the pattern buffer, because he puts his daughter in the pattern buffer, right? Right, right. Um, to store her, because he, he puts the, the injured um, ensign into the pattern buffer till they can repair him. And then, did they have to, like... Yeah, because they had to reset the thing at one point, right? And um, he kind of just slams down on the button, thinking, like, you know, it's more important to rescue the people coming in than to save this one particular life, right? Like, Christina had backed up in the, or Christina had backed up in the, the buffer, right? Yeah, yeah, indeed. You know, that's sort of what do they call it, the, the the brutalness of war, you know, the term for it, I forget what they call it, but, you know, it's kind of like, or as Spock says at the end of um, Wrath of Khan again, the, the good of the one, the good of the many, or the, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the, of the few or the one, right? Yeah, I think, I think it definitely fits there uh, for that sort of way of thinking. Mm-hmm. The other sort of thing I ended up quoting here was um, Mbenga's quote to the ensign who's like, dude, I came here to be, you know, an explorer. I didn't come here to fight. Yeah. And Mbenga looked at it as, uh, you know, we fight so the people we love can live in peace. And that seems to be how he's, uh, you know, come to grips with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that whole Hippo- Hippocratic oath that they they take and you know do no harm and all that kind of stuff, and then and yet they get thrown into this situation where they have no choice, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thought it was funny though the the sort of the you know being a medical officer in a war, right? You know the whole idea, or even a reporter, right? Like you know when the reporters go to war and they're they're meant to like not be shot at, not you know because they're just there as journalists or whatever, um, and there's you know, there's a line between, you know, whether you'll carry a gun or not kind of thing. In fact, they did that movie with um, the Spider-Man dude, Andrew Yeah, Garfield. Andrew Garfield played the uh, conscientious objector um, yeah. medical guy. He didn't even pick up the gun in training. Was that a true story? I think it was a true story, I think right? it was based on a true story, but I, I, I don't know. It certainly had that feel to it, from what I remember. Almost almost like the, the comedy of Forrest Gump, where he go, runs back into the, the battle and rescues all the people. Captain Dan and all that kind of stuff. Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was an interesting, interesting episode. And, and kind of weird that it was right between the animated and the and the, the floor show, right? I'm calling this one. Yeah, it's kind of a weird juxtaposition of uh, episodes. Yeah. Other than the uh, the Formula V or whatever we're calling it, did, did Compound V, did we have any other Easter eggs in this one? I, I don't think so. Um... I wonder if there's other stuff we, we missed that didn't get picked up on. Um, for me, it, leading into my big question, um, I'm less familiar with how Mbenga 
you know, sort of goes away and, and Dr. McCoy comes onto the Enterprise. It, certainly, I'm sure that there's probably like, you know, regular crew assignments and etc. But given what they've shown us of Mbenga, like, are all of these secrets, like this murder, his kid and the transporter, is this like, uh, uh, why don't you, um, would you like retire <laughs> and let some other guy come on board to be chief medical officer? You know, you're not in trouble, but like we kind of need you to quietly uh, go do something else instead of be on the uh, the flagship. Well, it, I mean, it, the, initially in the cage is a different doctor, and I think in the first episode there's a different doctor. Which the first episode is called Well, the Cage, right? Um, no, McCoy is McCoy's in the first broadcast episode, The Man Trap. Um, yeah, I'm trying to remember when when Mbenga comes in. I actually saw something about him recently, like a like a comparison between the current Mbenga and and the uh, the original series Mbenga. Right? I think he's only in one, maybe two episodes. Mbenga. Oh, really? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, he was like right there in the middle of the series. It wasn't like uh, Brooker Brooker Bradshaw was his name. I would I would have thought that that in terms of like what he's known for, this would be the show he's known for. Right? Yeah. Oh, can't find it. Even in different different strokes, Rockford Files, Good Times, Planet of the Apes. Oh, he's in a TV show. Why would they not list him as being in Star Trek? As a doctor who served aboard the USS Enterprise for two years, his background included an internship with a Vulcan Warb. Ward apparently helped save Spock's life. Find another good reference for him. Hmm. Okay, it says in 2260, Mbenga stepped down as chief medical officer and served as a general physician. After Dr. McCoy became CMO, he continued to serve under Captain James C. Kirk, where in the event of McCoy's absence, he served as ranking medical officer. In 2268, Mbenga treated Commander Spock for a serious gunshot wound that was inflicted on him, inflicted on Neural. He had to slap Spock violently to bring him out of his Vulcan healing state. A private little war was the name of the episode. Oh yeah, that was the one with um, the sort of, um, uh, you know, the, the tribe of sort of abor- blonde-haired aboriginal people, you know? <laughs> Anything else about this episode you want to cover? Uh, no, no, I don't think so. Kind of, kind of weird that it didn't really get its uh, moment in the sun because it... Uh... It came out the same week as the uh, Lower Decks uh, oh, right, crossover. Yeah. People thinking yeah, about sh- the Rhapsody one just right after. Yeah, I actually downloaded and watched it on the plane on the way home. Like, that's uh, how weird it was in terms of timing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anywho, let's move on to Secret Invasion, the finale, the floor show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Season 1, Episode 6. Home, I think, was the name of the episode, right? That's right. That's right. My elevator pitch was uh, Super Scrollomania. <laughs> it sounded like it's on uh, on pay per view. You know, coming this summer. Summer Super yeah, Scrollomania. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Jonathan's got here. Uh, it, it's a tale told by an idiot with the full sound of Nick Fury signifying nothing, which is from Macbeth. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a good choice. Or you, you, you can really count on a U.S. president to do any to do the right thing, especially when it comes to illegal aliens. Right. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And that whole the whole. Uh, um, I mean, I, I did like the fact that it wasn't really Nick Fury. I was kind of wondering, like, if you know, he had um, somehow 
if he was faking the sort of the coughing and the and the falling over when he got into the when he was exp- being exposed to the uh, I guess the nuclear fallout or whatever. But mm-hmm. I don't think radiation sickness happens that quickly, to be honest with you. Um, but because uh, you know, and the, and then we find out it's not really him; it's it's the other um, Emily Clark's character, right? Um, and but I don't, again, I don't understand like why if um, what's this the bad dude's name? Uh, Gravic. Why if Gravic turns in? These are, I guess we're doing the big bad right now. But if or the big questions. But if he turned into like this big, you know, green, you know, ninja turtle like guy, right, with the big muscles and stuff, how come Emily Clark? Other than the fact that it's it's Emily Clark, how come just her arm <laughs> puffed up? Right. That that made no sense. I mean, other than the, there was one point there where she had. Um, I think an ice arm, like, I guess they adopted all the sort of capabilities of the Avengers, right? By, by taking on this, this, uh, syrup or whatever the, the DNA they collected, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know stylistically why they made that choice here, uh, to have a difference, um, maybe to illustrate some difference in fighting style, but I can think of the super scroll in comics fighting like the fantastic four and, and having, you know, uh, like a stretchy arm and, you know, a flaming arm and like a rock leg. And I don't remember what he did for an invisible woman. I, an invisible leg would just not make sense. Maybe like, I don't know, force field or something like using all of the powers at once. A little bit closer to Amelia Clark's depiction. Um, but, so I'm, I'm not sure. Um, and, and I'm sure there's probably a bunch of Easter eggs in that. I, I just picked out one of a... Uh, um, the abomination, you know, kind of uh, reptile fish like sort of head ears sort of thing. Yeah. That's one of the ones I saw for sure. Yeah. Anyway, I'm just saying that Jonathan had here Super Skull Battle as, as his sort of big pew pew as well, right? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So, so for Easter egg, he's got here Avengers Assemble. I don't want to get the, is that because they got the, all the Avengers together in, in this, this super serum? Yeah, all the powers that that come out. You know, the the big green guy is probably Hulk. I mentioned the Abomination. You know, you got other powers in there. That uh, you got uh, Captain Marvel's power. They use the the little uh, glowy fire cosmic, you know, plasma sort of thing. Yeah, definitely saw the the uh, Captain Marvel part there. Yeah, I'm surprised that that. Uh, so how, again, how did they expose Rhodey? Um... Because they didn't just like chop his finger off or whatever, right? Yeah, this this definitely could have helped from um, Deep Space Nine fighting the Dominion uh, shapeshifter changeling sort of thing of like, how about we we poke your finger and see what color the blood becomes sort of thing, or shoot um, him in the leg or something like that just to to make the reveal to the president because the president's being an idiot, right? Like not knowing who to point the gun at, right? Yeah, it, I think it would have been a whole lot easier for everyone involved if the president hadn't like convince that agent to give him a gun because now you, yeah. you have to worry otherwise it, w- it would have been easier to to get to my pew 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 which is which is shooting fake roadie um but he even gets called out by um um the, the british age her name is blanking on me the, uh, olivia um olivia coleman olivia coleman's character she's like oh you not checking behind the doors oh you really are a squirrel aren't you or something similar right like you're not really an agent otherwise you wouldn't be so sloppy Sonya Fallsworth, who she plays. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, in terms of quotes, I, I, 
I think early on it went with graphics um, as I was kind of wondering why he had that particular face and he says do you recognize this face this is the first human I killed because you told me to so they closed that one uh, for me how are we supposed to know that like I guess that's the reveal here I think that's that's well, I know that's why I chose that one because I was kind of wondering. I'm like, I wonder why Gravik has like that face in particular. Because okay. so far you have, you know, oh, I'm pretending to be Rhodey. Oh, I'm pretending to be, you know, this high government official. So I, I was like, well, I don't think he made up a face. Why did he choose that face? Yeah, and then Jonathan's got here. Uh, first, I'm going to kill you. Then I'm going to take a flamethrower to humanity. And just so I'm absolutely clear about this, Fury, you did this in relation to that so i was listening to a, another episode uh, another podcast um one of the co-workers posted it and that particular podcast finds this show really bad <laughs> right and um oh, oh no I, I remember what it is yeah so so the the whole thing was i guess at the end of um i forget which show which movie it was but um nick fury does say i will go out into space and i'll find you a new home right um and but then he doesn't and gives up and that's i guess why the they're so mad at him and they they become his secret army kind of thing right mm -hmm. scrolls because yeah. i mean isn't that why he went to space to look for a new home for them yeah at least that's what's being stated here with the nick fury it's kind of hard to tell if that was just a cover story you know to to placate them while he's doing other things kind of the the game within the game within the game sort of thing that surrounds nick fury mm-hmm Priscilla, who's Priscilla? Is that his wife? I think it, I think it was uh, his wife, which she yeah, gives her she... real name that she wants to go by her real name now. Oh, I see, right? Oh, yeah, it yeah, looks yeah. like Vara is probably the real name based on Jonathan's yeah. uh, copious notes. Yeah, and she, um, I mean, it's kind of funny because yeah, like this whole you know, okay, I'm going to leave you, I'm going to go back to space, and like you know, I was thinking like all along, well, why don't you just take her with you or whatever, and then she ends up showing up at the end, right? to go with him up into space, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, it's kind of pretty vague in terms of, like, where he's going, like, or how he's getting there or whatever. Like, is it some sort of beam, or do they land a... I forgot if they land a ship or something. Yeah, it's like a white beam that seems to be uh, some part of a ship. So I think where he's going, if your big question is what happens with Fury next, it's like, uh, go watch the Marvels when it comes out later this year. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, it's not really a, a big question for me or, or anybody here, because, like, we, we know, even if we've forgotten the, the facts here. It's probably more for, like, uh, you know, my parents who are much more casual on this. I'm like, oh, what's going to happen? It's like, oh, he's going he's gonna to come out in November, Mom. Don't worry about it. He'll be back. So what did you think about this series all all in? I mean, like... like... Um, I think for me... The series is a bit uneven. I think it works better when it has the the spy craft, and it's a lot more like um, the Winter Soldier movie, Captain America Winter. When it gets into the Skrulls stuff as uh, displaced, you know, migrant alien type stuff, I feel like it's a lot weaker there. Um, so the superhero stuff, weirdly, is is less... Mm, I wouldn't say less interesting. It's not as well presented i think like the execute like the ideas were there but the execution wasn't quite there yeah the yeah because i mean th that was what the other podcast was saying that that this was meant to be like marvel's andor right but it was nowhere near as good as andor which i'm sure 
Jonathan would agree here too as well, right? Yeah, I, I kind of wonder if it plays better without the superhero stuff. If you made it a bit more uh, more grounded, does it fit better? Um, I don't know. I mean, we ended up with uh, Super Scrollomania, which is a common sort of uh, YouTuber complaint of like, you know, they're like me, but evil me. <laughs> that's the end. Of, you know, <laughs> that's the finale of the movie, finale of the show. Um, would it have worked differently if it was actual Nick Fury versus graphic and he finds a way to, to deal with the enemy. Mm-hmm. Mr. Sunday Movies is the, is the name of the podcast. So the other podcast that I'll have a link in the show notes, I guess, for this. People can sit back and enjoy it. Yeah, I find, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I did, I think in terms of all the um, stuff that we've seen from Marvel, this was, this was one of the weaker ones. I thought, you know, to be honest with you, I thought, um, what was the, the Captain America one we just saw with the, with the fake Captain America. Oh, uh, the, the, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier with, yeah, uh, that one with us agent or TS agent, as I like to call him on this show. Yeah. TS agent. Yeah. It, I mean, that was, I didn't super enjoy that, uh, series, but that was better than this. Let's put it that way right? in, in a lot of ways. Right. So. I'd agree. And I think it's because it's a little bit more grounded, right? Like, yeah, there's some like superhero-ish kind of thing, but it's like, you know, performance enhancing drugs superhero it's not um you know all these superpowers thrown together sort of thing so yeah and i guess we're getting spoiled by things like the boys right which is really well written and the boys and and watchmen are kind of like they're kind of two different takes on the same kind of groups of super people right um or people with powers i guess right yeah, and yeah. I, I threw um, Invincible in there as well. It's like, oh yeah, that's another good one. Yeah, what would happen if people really had these powers and just let yeah. you know humanity go awry? Or even like that. What was the one with Will Ferrell or not Will Smith and um, Charlize Theron? Uh, Hancock. Um, Hancock. That was another one, which which was kind of cool. That this this dude has all these powers and he's kind of like you know they almost want to put. Um, or what was it, the Gary Sinise one where they wanted to put, uh, was that Mystery Men where they wanted to put like sponsors on his uniform? <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was, that was Mystery Men where he had, he had the, the almost like, you know, um, hockey players or soccer players with all the, the sponsorships on his, on his jersey, right? Sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, let's move to our watch list then, I guess. Um, Jonathan's got Dungeons and Dragons on here. I, I, I haven't watched it yet. Have you watched that one yet? Yeah. It, uh, I believe was on Paramount Plus, so I'm not sure where you all got it from. But uh, I don't know what Jonathan's take is, but my take was going into it thinking, you know, I should say going way back, going into the trailer of the movie thinking, this is going to be terrible, just like the other Dungeons & Dragons movie, being surprised to see that the critics and the fans enjoyed it on Rotten Tomatoes, and then watching it and enjoying it myself, even though I'm... Uh, not a player of Dungeon Dragons. I've been influenced by by it because just like Lord of the Rings, it's so influential in other mainstream fantasy, high fantasy media. So um, it certainly fit my bill uh, in terms of like what I was looking for. And, and given its success, I'm going to guess that it's done pretty well here for Jonathan as well. Yeah, it's funny. I, was, I should have uh, I should have taken an opportunity to ask my. Um... My nephew, who actually plays Dungeons and Dragons regularly, what he thought about this. That would, would have been an interesting perspective. Uh, it looks like it's on Netflix for us. 
Is is it called Honor Amongst Thieves? Is that the one? No, no, it's yeah. Not. Honor Amongst Thieves is the 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 new Dungeons and Dragons movie, not the yeah. It's, it's on uh, the late Netflix 90s one. The Netflix. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet. But uh, and then, what have you got for your your pick here? Finally, got around to watching the Super Mario Brothers movie. Um, I believe it is streaming on Peacock. But in this case, I had enough digital credits with uh, Amazon that I got it for uh, like a couple bucks rental. So I watched it via Amazon. Um, it's a breezy hour and a half movie. Uh, I'm not going to call it a brilliant movie. It has a lot of uh, member berries strewn about, which is. Uh, I don't know if they're the originators of this, but the red letter media folks always like to critique things. It's like saying, like, do you remember this thing? It's got a lot of nostalgia factor uh, stuff thrown into what's really a very basic paper thin plot that, you know, analyzing. I'm like, I feel like in this hour and a half, you could have taken the same movie, removed a bunch of characters kept it a lot more simple less uh flashy and glossy and it probably fits better as a as a movie but i can see why nintendo given the the horrific thing that happened to them the last time with the bob hoskins john leguizamo yeah yeah uh, super mario bros movie why they said you know what we better just like you know just go right down the middle here just just trying not to go anything too crazy and artistic like let's just let's just hit the um the fan service that people want so it's a real solid fan service movie i don't think it's that great of a movie uh as a movie but as somebody who who enjoyed you know partaking in the member berries i'm like yeah i was that was pretty satisfied it's a it's a good popcorn movie as we've we've said on this show of like some days you just want to be in a nice cold theater get your soda get your popcorn just forget your worries and just watch cool stuff right yeah well i'm just looking at just watch here uh it looks like it's it's available for rent or buy on apple tv or youtube or amazon and um our cineplex app which is our movie theater app but uh yeah and some flicks fling or something like that i guess it's available for rent as well for a dollar less so i don't know what that is or but that's how you can watch super mario brothers i do think it's coming soon to something here i did see something about it on um, one of our streaming services i'm not sure mm -hmm. what's happening with that and then for my pick uh, mine is not a sci-fi related one but it was really interesting uh i watched full circle after watching uh Steven, or listening to steven soderberg on uh smartless he was talking about his show called full circle which is kind of interesting. It's it's about a kidnapping that goes wrong, and uh, turns out there's lots of interconnecting. All the you know the characters in the show they're all sort of interconnected with each other. Um, they're all coming from different parts of of life, um, and uh, yeah, it, it comes back down to in, in your surprise to find uh, you know the twists and turns. Uh, again, it's one of these things. I wonder if Jonathan watched it and if he could figure it out, uh, unravel it before it, it reveals itself, right? But one interesting thing, though, is um, Jack Quaid's dad, Dennis Quaid, is in it as a as a sort of a famous chef um, with a ponytail and all that kind of stuff. But uh, um, and these heavy glasses on, and it was funny because I kind of looked at him and I'm thinking, who is that actor? Like I just I couldn't place him. And I, in mm -hmm. generally speaking, I can you know Dennis Quaid. I've seen him in hundreds of movies, right? Um, but yeah, I had a really. I mean, I had to actually hit the IMDb app to to see who he was. Um, interesting, it's got Timothy Oliphant and uh, Claire Danes in it. Um, and, you know, we were, we were just watching, we were just talking about Timothy Oliphant in um, Justified, and also he was also in The Mandalorian there for a while. 
Um, a really interesting actor. He's kind of he's got that sort of Chris Pine swagger, but like I think Chris Chris Pine wants to be Timothy Oliphant. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah. So he's he's a really interesting character in this one, and uh, the the funny thing is like you know the 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 son their their son gets kidnapped, and they're sort of a well to do family. So obviously the son is being targeted because he keeps losing his phone, he loses his running shoes, he loses his backpack, and um, you know as a you know, you and I both being IT people, we kind of sort of see that as, you know, something that, you know, something's coming because it's not just this kid's incompetent and can't, you know, can't lose his phone. So, and, and they, they make the crime of all crimes, right? They, they, they won't let him put a password on his phone <laughs> <laughs> because they're afraid he's going to lose it again. Right. So talk about the wrong, absolute wrong thing to do. Right. Cause, cause then of course, you know, the, the kidnappers start sending messages back to the parents, right. Using his phone. But anyway, yeah. And that, I mean, I'm just scratching the surface. That happens like within the first, you know, half hour of the, of the show. It's probably, I think it's six episodes long, maybe. So yeah, it's kind of, it's interesting because, you know, Soderbergh's obviously a movie director, right? And him doing a TV show was kind of a, you know, not normal thing, right? So, but it, 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 it plays like a movie. Very easy to sit there, sit there and binge it, right? I think I watched it like continuously until it was done in one evening. It looks like it's got quite the cast. So yeah. Interesting. Um, it appears to be on Max here in the States. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's on Crave for us. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. All right. Well, I guess that's it for another week. So, hi, may people want to get in touch with you. Where will they find you? I'm on Twitter as at Dev of the Hair. All right. My name is Dimitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A. And I am on the Twitter machine, the Mastodon machine, the Threads machine, uh, Blue Sky, although I really haven't spent much time over there. All that kind of stuff. But so until next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Spotcast Podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotcast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash spotcast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. Mastodon, having them blue sky, and I'm waiting to see what happens as the the pieces continue to fall uh, off of Twitter. Now X, X Twitter, X Twitter. It, it's so yeah. it's so annoying because it's really hard to Google now. Yeah. So did you, I guess I didn't see the thing that Keen posted in um, comparison between Strange New Worlds and Strange New Worlds Lower Desk Lower Deck. He posted an animated video here Did you see comparison i didn't get a chance to look at that no do you want to take a look at it now and we'll have a quick comment on it okay one sec
actually let me see about oh, like so both of them space. running at the same time yeah yeah that, that's what i figured it probably was the only difference is the, the little guy hanging on the cell right <laughs> but otherwise shot for shot it's almost identical a couple of angles are slightly different but yeah, a couple angles feel like they're different to emphasize the lower deck stuff. Like, it would be really hard to see the nacelle sucker if it was as far out as the Strange New Worlds one is. So it's a little little closer for that reason. So yeah, you heard I'm off, off to Apple, eh? Yeah, yeah. Do we, uh, do we need to go off for this one, or... Uh... No, I'll just cut it. <laughs> <laughs> Since you're the editor, well, no, it's I, I'm paying my own way. I mean, like, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to do it, like, uh... Yeah, just I just you know I saw the I applied for the the developer kit and I applied for and then the, the other day it came out this saying you know you can go to the lab and I thought well what the hell let's just see what happens right and I have enough air mile points that I can you know pay for the flight for myself and Carol to go down to San Francisco for the weekend I, I picked a Friday so that I'd be close enough to the to the weekend to go and you know spend a couple of days in San Francisco right go visit Mark you know. Go visit, have a burrito with uh, Greg. <laughs> yeah, so and get to go to the. I haven't been to the developer center at uh, Apple. So and I and, and when I was in 2017, when I was in um, California, the Apple Park wasn't even finished yet, right? Mm-hmm. It was still it was still like a mud mud pit, and they were still still constructing you know, it. Yeah, I mean, there was, a, there was actually a hotel pretty near. Um, maybe I should get my my room there. But uh, there was a hotel that, that our um, TD, I went with TD, right? And I stayed in a hotel away from somewhere in San Jose. And they stayed uh, in a hotel across the street from Apple Park kind of thing, right? So they could see the building from their hotel room. Maybe that's, that's what I'll do. I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to do like an Airbnb or whatever. But I'll, I figure I'll fly into San Jose, do the, the Apple visit, and then go up. Then we'll drive up or or transport up to san francisco and spend the day there mm-hmm. right and then um because we carol and i usually do like transit we do all the buses and speak and cable cars and stuff like that right go check out the art gallery and um a couple of parks that she likes there and she there's a couple of fabric stores that she wants to go visit hopefully they're still there yeah i like san francisco it's one of my favorite towns oh and there's a like a breakfast uh you can go to the embarcadero for a really nice sort of um farmer's market breakfast if they have like you know um all the sort of tex-mex stuff that they make right there mm-hmm. which is really nice i can't think of the names of them right now but you know it's like eggs with salsa and stuff like that <laughs> sorry, to, sorry to sound insensitive insensitive but that's just the way it is <laughs> no i get it i get it apple park it's interesting apple park is actually on the map i was looking at today it's probably significant enough and large enough physically to to warrant being a yeah a, a landmark well i mean they do, they do that with the, like, like the rogers center's on here and whatever oh yeah the hilton garden Inn. that's maybe where my where my people stayed you know, rate. Look, look at the rate oh ratings that's not what i'm on how do you book a room there website i guess yeah i gotta figure out the whole logistics and all that kind of stuff but right yeah but I've saved up saved up all my uh, air miles points to afford a trip down there. I mean, it's not too expensive. I mean, fly down and get a hotel room and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's more expensive because it's right by Apple. <laughs> yeah, they probably yeah. have a lot of people coming in and out. So, yeah, if you want to make it as a uh, convenient sort of thing, you, you got to pay a bit of a premium. Hmm. Right. 
if you don't want to pay it, next person up will. I think that's the, you know, it's like being close to like Disneyland or Disney World or something, right? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Looks like a one fifty-seven. That's not a bad price. Honors discount. What's an honors discount? Comes with breakfast. Although I won't need breakfast. Huh. Cool. All right. I don't know what else is going on with you. How was your How was your conference thing? Your um, hackathon. Uh, the event went well. You know. Yeah. Um, helped people out with their uh, with our stuff, and it seemed like the credit union attendees seemed to all enjoy it and have fun. So it was mm-hmm. good. It was good to to get out there and see people. It's a little weird for me because I wasn't a participant. It was um, yeah, a subject matter expert to help people yeah. if they get stuck. Yeah. yeah you get any, any interesting apps made up? or? Yeah. Um, stuff that um, I think will make sense in the credit union space, helping people with their uh, financial lives and saving and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's... Um, it's one of those things where, you know, you wouldn't necessarily expect a, like, billion-dollar business to come out of it. But the cool thing about the hackathon concept is, you know, it could. It just really depends yeah. on, on people's imaginations and what they're able to, to finish. Hmm. Cool. Right. Well, I got to go. I, I have another episode of More Than Just Code coming out. One more, one more uh, interview of one of the speakers from the conference, which is happening next week, right? Oh, okay. Cool, cool. I'll leave you to that, yeah. then. Yeah, and we should do a, we should do an episode one one of these days with you and Mark, right? <laughs> yeah. Um. When when is your your trip? Because maybe it makes uh, sense 20, to like you can't 25th. talk specifically about. I'm sure, but you know the surrounding experience might be okay. Yeah, it's interesting. Like the the sort of the the rules of the game are like don't wear any um like branded T-shirts that give away who you work for and that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. it's it's very it's very similar to the workshop i went to where you know you're in a room and you're not supposed to fraternize with the other other people <laughs> put you some know. horse blinders on you so you can't see yeah, who we else had, is yeah there. like yeah we were we were um i forget who the, i think it was ibm was in the other room like we we had the boardroom and we were like all td people were there and there was another boardroom and you kind of like saw them when you went to the bathroom or you went and had lunch or whatever they would sort of be in the same space and you know nobody had like any sort of insignia on them to say who they were and, and we mm-hmm. weren't supposed to tell and we just had like you know tim on my my badge kind of thing but yeah so and it's like you know i think that in no photos no videos that kind of stuff is what they say in the in the welcome you know the, the information letter sort of thing right i'm sure there'll probably be like an nda and all that kind of stuff sign and stuff mm-hmm. right so, it's interesting to tell me to bring my prescription for my glasses with me so they're probably going to give you that experience of what it's like yeah. having the, the, uh, what is Zika? Zika? Zeiss. 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 Zeiss lens. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one thing that, um, that's the one thing that I'm not really sure about. Like, cause I mean, it's going to be an expensive device. So are they going to toss in the, the lenses for people or? One would hope, otherwise they've got a, a PR thing of like, Apple discriminate against, against people with disabilities. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah. Well, did we talk about that 37 seconds or whatever it was on, on more than just code? Like there's a famous video, I think when the iPhone four came out, they spent when voiceover first launched, right? They spent, it was like 37 seconds, 37 seconds was how long they talked about the feature being around. I think it's one of the ones where I think Steve Jobs is six. So Phil Schiller was the, the MC. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, they, and they only talked, like, they, they rolled up voiceover. Oh, yeah, we got this new feature called voiceover. And, it, like, they spent, because before that came out, if you were uh, visually impaired or whatever, you couldn't use an iPhone. Mm-hmm. Right, right. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, so similar, like, that similar possible potential fiasco that way, right? With the Vision Pro. We have to see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to see. I'm dying to see the thing, too, so. And decide it'll it'll be the it'll be the will I buy one won't I buy one moment right <laughs> <laughs> you know because it's kind of it's like the closest thing to be able to go to the store and try one on right yeah yeah and uh, you know with your own apps and stuff so you'll get a chance yeah well I, it's funny I've built a couple of apps in the simulator and it's it's like like I'm in, I'm device tracker runs on it right and device tracker is like riddled with Objective C right mm-hmm. so yeah it's mostly mostly like yeah, I would say it's it's probably ninety five percent Objective C, right? Yeah, so and it it runs fine, from what I can tell. Actually, I'm not. I'm yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna say too much, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was surprised when when I just was able to build it and it kind of ran and played around with it a bit. So it's interesting. Like, have you have you tried the simulator yet? No, I actually have not. It, it literally it puts you in a living room with like a television on the wall and a coffee table in front of you and you're sitting on a couch and there's like a love seat beside you and you know you basically you launch your app and it kind of like the there's like a i guess like a for lack of a better word a dock of, of circles that float in front of the screen in front of you mm-hmm. and then like so like if you click on the safari circle it opens up a browser and it just kind of floats and as soon as you tap on anywhere that like you would enter text this sort of virtual keyboard kind of sort of comes up on a sort of angle in front of you and you can, you know, use your mouse or your cursor or whatever, or your keypad to type and it, it, you know, depresses the keys as if you're doing it with your fingers. Right. And then you've got, there's like 3d common, common 3d tools uh, in the lower right hand corner. Like there's like a yaw and a pitch, you know, like you can move left and right and up and down and you can also rotate the room. Right. Mm. And when you rotate the room, the app, rotates with the room like once you've opened it so um and you can almost rotate you can't really see behind your app because it kind of just goes clear when you get behind it but but it's just like you're in a vr space right like yeah in that point of view right so it'll be it'll be different when you when you've got the gear on your head right yeah i think i'm sure it'll feel way different um the simulator can only do so much that i imagine it'll be interesting to see how you you feel about things once you can actually get the the ar um experience from yeah that. well i got to try it we had uh we had a an event uh casino night event um in chicago and they had an oculus there so i got to try the oculus set i didn't want to play a game but i said hey like put me in like the grand canyon or something like that right um mm-hmm. so kind of like you know you're in the space and you just turn you turn around and you're looking look up look down that, that's sort of the google cardboard experience that i'm used to right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So other people were playing like uh, what's that fruit fruit ninja thing? The is that what's called the the game where you have to slice the fruit? That's the one that was like on iPad and stuff that they make fruit ninja. For... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they have they have a similar one for um for the Oculus where you you kind of swipe at it and as the fruit come come flying at you, <laughs> you know. But it's that same sort of thing where you got to move all the furniture out of the way, right? Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You have to have somebody watching you so you don't like you know walk into a wall or whatever, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. I, I'm curious about the whole being able to see through, you know, the with the external cameras as well, right? 
Yeah, but I think seeing other people, so you can see the little eyes stuff. I'm kind of curious what that's like in real life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's, I think that's just weird. <laughs> you know, I don't know why they need to do that, but you know, I guess it's for the other people watching, hanging around you. I guess, right? So they can tell if you're immersed or if you can actually see them. I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Are you sleeping in there? Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well. I guess that's it. Talk to you next time. Until next time. Yeah. Right. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Where is the off button? Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis, The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.